Well, it's good to be in the house of God here tonight, on a Sunday night. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to the book of Isaiah chapter six or chapter nine and verse six, I want to continue preaching on something I started here a while ago, and uh, due to circumstances beyond our control, we're just a little bit delayed. So, anyway, um, I, last time I preached out of this, I called it the the. Uh, early Christmas sermon, but tonight I want to preach for a little bit on His name shall be called. Isaiah six or 9 and verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulders, and His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to preach. Lord, I ask that you would please give me wisdom and, and guidance here tonight. Lord, use me for your glory. Let it be effective in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Like I said, I know this is oftentimes referred to as a Christmas chapter or verse or uh, often quoted during December, but I feel like there's a lot here that just does not need to be overlooked this time of year. Amen. Last time we preached, we talked about Christ being Wonderful, what it means to be full of wonder. Everything that God does is amazing. Amen? He is not, he is not to be trifled with. He is not uh, flippant with His actions, but what He does is wonderful. Amen? But uh, tonight, and if I could for a little bit, I would like to just focus on that, that second part there that's mentioned, and His name shall be called Counselor. Amen. Counselor. Now, if you look at the word name in that in that 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 chat or that verse, it's referring to your reputation. It means more than what we just use names nowadays. Uh, it, it actually means something. Back in the day, we used to say a man is a man, and it meant something. Of course, now that doesn't matter because anybody can change that. A woman can be whatever they want, and anybody can do whatever they want in this society. But back in those days, when they were writing it, it actually meant something. Right. right. Amen. It was a name. It was a reputation. Amen. So when God is saying his name shall be called, when the writer is saying that, he's actually establishing that this is who that person is. This is who Christ is. Amen. This is what he'll do. So that's why he's wonderful. He's full of wonder because that's who he is and that's what he'll do. But now he is a counselor. And when we look at the, that, that aspect of being a counselor, the Bible had examples of this over and over again. We look at Hushai, one of, uh, to me, is just an amazing character in the life of David, uh, uh, becoming a counselor for Absalom just to trick him into doing something that would make him fail. But we see counselors were used in the Bible. Rehoboam used uh, the counselors of his father, uh, Solomon, and then he switched to his own counselors. We see the prophets going into the king oftentimes as counselors giving guidance for the nation of Israel over and over again. Uh, Nathan went into to David's chambers and gave him counsel. We see Isaiah giving counsel to multiple kings and so on and so forth. So it's not something, when we read this in scripture, it's not an abnormal thing. It's a very common thing. But I believe that it lays out this thought that Christ is going to be somebody who will give 
counsel, but he doesn't take away from your free will. Amen? Who's coming is going to give advice. question is, what do you do with it? Right. Amen. Right. I want to look at three things, as often I always usually do. I want to talk about, first, the traits of a counselor. To understand this statement, I think we got to understand what is a counselor. And the first thing I see here is a counselor must be accessible, right? Probably one of the fastest growing professions in all of the United States right now. You can't go into a school without finding a guidance counselor. You can't look on your phone without finding a therapist or any variation of that which gives counseling. Pastors are counselors and so on and so forth. Right now, it's a booming profession. Booming profession. But you know what? It wouldn't be booming if you weren't accessible. Right? If you, you want to hang a, a shingle up and say, I will, I'm here to give advice. I'm here to give advice. Was it uh, uh, was it peanuts where they had to the, the give advice out on the street corner like a lemonade stand? Right. If you want to give advice, you better be accessible. Right. The book of Isaiah three and three tells us how God removed counselors from the people of Israel. They weren't accessible because He removed them. But you can't claim something. You can't. Well, I'm here to give you advice, but you're not there. What would it be like if you scheduled an appointment? I'm going to go see so-and-so. They're going to help me with whatever aspect of my life, but they missed every appointment. So a good counselor must be accessible. Number two, a good counselor must be attentive. They must be attentive. There's something about this, and this is a struggle of mine. I will wholeheartedly admit this. You can stone me after church if you want. But sometimes it's difficult to listen right? There are times I find my mind is constantly moving. And when somebody's talking, if it's not really all that interesting, sometimes it's really difficult to just pay attention, focus, listen to it. I can only imagine if that was my profession, I would be thinking about just about everything else while somebody's telling me stuff. It's like, if you would just listen to me, I could, I could fix this in a minute. But being a counselor, you have to be attentive to the needs of others. You have to listen. Number three, a counselor must give advice. Isaiah 41 and 28 says, For I beheld, and there was no man. Even among them there was no counselor that when I asked of them could answer a word. A good counselor, it's one thing to be available, another thing to be a good listener. But you know what those two things are? They are simply an AA meeting. But the counselor gives advice. There has to be something. You can, you can go get into a group of people, say, hi, my name's Nathan, and this is what I struggle with. But when you leave, you're still Nathan and you still struggle with that. It doesn't change. But a good counselor is going to give advice that will change the course of your life. That's what counseling is. And so there must be a change. Unlike Isaiah 41, 28, there's got to be somebody who can give an answer, who can give a word. I cannot seek advice from someone who is not there. I cannot seek advice from someone who is unaware. And I cannot seek an advice from someone who doesn't care. Amen? How about this? In 1 John chapter 2, Verses 1 through 3, it says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, he have 
we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Now notice in those three verses, the first thing that Christ is being talked about here, John is writing about Jesus. He says he is here for the sins of the whole world. There's not a section of the world that is discounted from Christ's ability to assist them. That means he's available, right? Amen. He is available. Number two, he is the propitiation. He is the, the one who mediates for our need. Our need. You know what that means? He is listening. He meets that second checkbox where he is not only available for everybody, but he also is paying attention to everything. Hallelujah. Amen. And number three, he must give advice. And hereby you know, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He's given us advice. We'll get to that in a few moments. But he meets the traits of a counselor. So then we move on. We find there has to be a test for a counselor. Now, it's one thing if we can check all these little boxes and we see that a counselor is met. They're available. Uh, they listen all right. They give advice. But now we have to make sure it's a qualified person we're listening to. The first thing is his words must be reputable. If we're going to listen to somebody, they've got to be reputable. It's one thing if somebody tells us something and it's a lie. It's a flat out, no good lie. You know, there are some people like that. We could spend, uh, spend hours talking to people. And sure enough, when, by the time you're done, you might feel good, but it meant nothing because it was a lie. So there has to be some reputability. Do the words withstand scrutiny? Number two, the second test of a counselor, words must be revitalizing. Not just reputable, but the words must encourage the listener. If I'm going to be somebody that's going to give you advice and I do not help you in some way, then you have just wasted time. I tell you, it's, <laughs> there's sometimes in life, you meet those people, they can say so much and nothing at the same time. And you know what? Those people get elected to office. That's the funny part. I want you to know, I think everybody should have a chicken in their pot and grass should be green and the sky should be blue. Those are things I stand for. What does that mean? What are you going to do about it? <laughs> None of that matters. And so we face that same situation in life where you can spend an eternity talking to people and looking for advice. And sure enough, by the end of it, it's empty and vain. Number three, a test of a counselor, his words must be resistant. There's an aspect when you go to somebody and you want good sound advice, it better sometimes resist your urge to just hear the right thing. My urge to not be challenged. There, there's a point in me, I like comfort, you know that? I like being satisfied. I like ease. Those are words I really like. 
And then I come home and, and I love my family to death. But I come home and find that the toilet was clogged because somebody had to flush a car down the toilet or something. And sure enough, my ease is changing. Now I got to flush, I get on my work pants and get ready to plunge. Why? It, it, it's a challenge. Oh, the car needs oil and things like that. Why is it difficult? Because I like ease. But you know what? I must be challenged to step out. If I'm going to be successful, I must be challenged. My dad was a pastor of an Assembly of God church. Oh, so many, many, many years ago. And there was a lady, an older lady who sat in the church and she said, I would never give a nickel for a pastor who would never step on my toes from time to time. You know what? That's, that's a valuable lesson, right? In and of itself. I've got to be challenged. If I come to church and all I hear is exactly what I want to hear. If I come to God and I pray and God gives me no guidance that changes my life, it just makes me feel fuzzy. There's no value to it. Christ is the Word, John chapter 1 and verse 1. And John, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, both those verses paint a picture of how Christ is the Word. You want to understand who Christ is. Do you want to receive counseling from the voice of God? It's right here. From the very beginning, from the index to the maps, it is the voice of Christ stating how your life can be changed. And wouldn't you know the Word of God can withstand all scrutiny? It is reliable. It is consistent. There's not a point in this scripture. You can look for thousands, thousands of prophecies, and wouldn't you know every one of them withstood the test of time. There's not a single point in this scripture that I can look and I cannot fully understand with a little bit of study that it is accurate. Not only that, but it also, the Word of God, Christ Himself, the counsel I get from this book, this is Christ written down. You know that? This is not the Word of God. This is the words of God. Because every part of this is God speaking to me. So with that being said, it is not only reputable, but it is also something that is encouraging. Amen? It's difficult to read through the book of Psalms and be discouraged. It really is. It's a real burden to find a verse in the Bible that does not encourage you. But also, it is challenging. When I read in the Word of God, and I compare myself to the written life of Christ, I find myself needing a whole lot of, uh, 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 of growth. Amen? Notice this, Psalm 16 and 7. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night season. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there is pleasures forevermore. He is my counselor. His word is my counsel. Now we come to the end. We see that there is a there are traits of a counselor and the test of a counselor, but there is a task from a counselor. There is a task relationships in this regard, this counselor requires to have a relationship with Christ 
it requires consistency on my part. The Word of God must be consistently filling me. It must be something I pay attention to. It must be something I am perpetually involved in. The Word of God. The Word of God. I find myself sometimes just turning on the Bible on my, on my headphones. I'm working in the basement or something like that. I'm doing a project. And I just love turning on the Word of God and letting it fill my head. I, may, I cannot quote a verse from that. Maybe I can't quote a, a single verse that I've listened to through that series. But it's invading my space. I want consistently and perpetually bombarded with the Word of God. Amen? It must be consistent on my part. It also, to have a relationship with his counselor, it requires consent. I must consent to the Word of God. I must relinquish myself to the Word of God. If I'm going to accept Christ as my counselor, I'm going to have to accept it. I have to consent. There are things I may not understand. And there are parts that are challenging. And there are sections that are difficult. But I consent to Him. Whatever He wants. Whatever He wants to teach me, I want it. I consent to the Word of God. A, a relationship requires conclusion. There comes a point in time where I give everything over to Him. If you look at the Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, I, I love this section of the verse. He says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. The government. It's not just a, a structure of leadership that, that comes out of Helena or comes out of Washington, D.C. It's not that. But it's so much more than that. The things that govern me, I must lay on his shoulders. If he's my counselor, then I must give it all to him. You know what governs me sometimes? is my problems. My problems govern me. My frustrations govern me. My mind and all the tricks that it plays on me govern me. I have to lay them on his shoulders. If I'm going to accept him as my counselor, it's my responsibility to lay whatever's governing my life upon him. And he's able to handle it. He's able to handle it. Able. I must do these things if I'm going to accept him as a counselor. As we close, I want you to contemplate this, this thought. The Bible talks about Rehoboam. I mentioned him at the beginning. Rehoboam comes from, he's the son of the smartest, wisest man that ever lived. Maybe not smartest, the Bible doesn't necessarily state that, but wisest, he could apply everything he knew very well, and he could say it very well. He can instruct people very well. So we have Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, and his son comes along, and you would think something would have come from him, right? you think a little bit of that wisdom would have rubbed off. You know, every time he's like, Dad, I really want to, I really want to stick my hand underneath the lawnmower. And his dad says, no, I don't believe that's wise, son, because you do that, and you'll End up cutting fingers off. You wisdom, you know, you would think it would rub off. You'd think that Solomon and all of his wisdom would start imparting it. But then you also have to understand this. He was the wisest man that ever lived, so the people that gave him guidance had to be pretty wise too. The people that gave him counsel, all of those great men that stood around, uh, that stood around 
Solomon were giving him advice, giving him counsel, and then also receiving counsel from Solomon because he was wise. I bet there was a lot of things they listened to instead of talking. But then Rehoboam's life, he comes in power. You're in charge. You've got the realm, the helm, and the realm. Now, you get to start picking what do you want to do. And he gathers all these men. They should have had the, they should have been some of the wisest people. They were not only around the wisest man, they had, you had to know that between all of that council, there had to be massive brain power there. And then he seeks counsel from the fellow, you know, the, the people of his age, the people that, that hadn't lived a day in life and they barely knew what it was like to work and anything like that. And he sought advice from them and he liked it better. You have to understand there's something here. He was set up for success and yet he failed. He failed. And because of his actions, the nation split in half because of one person avoiding wisdom. That's you tonight. You're at that crossroads. You have access to all the counsel there has ever been. There's not a single class that Hannah can go to in school. There's not a, there's not a single uh, training that I can attend at my work. And, and George can do all the webinars he wants. And none of that, none of that will ever equal, all combined will never equal what is in this word of God. And so you're sitting at that crossroads of who are you going to be? Are you going to be Rehoboam? Are you going to seek advice? It's sound, it's proven, it's tested, it's worked the test of time. There's not a single element of it that's a failure. Or are you going to seek the counsel of the day? Because the counsel of the day is failing. And I can tell you right now, America is not destined to last very much longer. Because all we do is we seek the counsel of today. Are you going to be the one who stands up and says, no, I know it works. I know where my counsel comes from. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you that, that we have access to the greatest library of wisdom of all time. 